1: Back in the day when Paul Segreto and I co-hosted this podcast, we did the show live. No edits, no mulligans. It was what it was, no matter what, each and every week. It was a little scary sometimes, but this past week gave me the biggest scare I have ever faced as a public speaker. Most of you know that my partners at Zorflorum and I hosted the legendary Michael E. Gerber this week as he presented an Emith Masterclass with hundreds invited to attend. So here's what you didn't know. At 10 minutes to 1, just 10 minutes before we are to kick off, we were all together online checking our systems and microphones to be certain that we were good to go when suddenly gerber's screen locked up it froze up like a block of dry ice i kid you not nothing short of telling him to pull the plug from the wall and let his laptop reboot was going to deliver us a better hope for resolution. Well, now we are three minutes out, and my need to begin doing my welcome and introduction, knowing that I'm beginning that without Gerber present. We are connected by cell phone though, and how happy was I to hear the good news? His system was back up, but guess what? It decided that this was the moment in time for it to begin taking a Windows update. I told him the worst case, I was going to put my cell phone on speaker and hold my phone up to my microphone. One way or another, Gerber, you're going to speak to this group today. Well, my partner, Eric Mayers, told me to take a chill pill. It'd all work out, he said, and it did. Less than a half dozen words left to my intro before I'd have the need to say, and ladies and gentlemen, I give you the legendary Michael E. Gerber, when, bam, there he was, looking a bit flustered, as was I. But the show went on, as will this one, too. But I simply had to share that with you. So I'm going to tee things up for a quick break right here. And when I return, I'll be introducing you to Anne Huntington Sharma, president of Huntington Learning Centers. We'll be right back.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests, elevate profits, and enhance your customer experience, Atmosphere TV is the answer. What's Atmosphere, you ask? Atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses, here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages. Atmosphere provides you with a free programming option, bringing more than 60 ultra-engaging audio-optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket. So, How does it work? Well, it's easy. Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device, loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. Atmosphere isn't limited to restaurants or bars. Any business with a TV screen can benefit from better entertainment. So, stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto shops, anyone with TV in their waiting rooms can jump on this amazing offer. Just go to atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code FRANCHISE, and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free-to-stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at Atmosphere.tv, and remember, use the code FRANCHISE to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit Atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. Anne Huntington-Sharma brings a unique perspective and depth of experience to Huntington Learning Centers. In her role as president, Anne is focused on the company's digital transformation, continued franchise expansion, developing strategic partnerships, and serving as the company's public-facing representative. In her previous role as vice president of business development, Anne developed and executed programs and partnerships that position the company to help more students. Anne works with each department today to ensure the company's vision is being carried out. She brings more than 10 years of proven experience in sales and business development within the fields of education and art, and top all that off with her being the daughter of founders Eileen and Ray Huntington, and I guess she's got it all going on. Anne Huntington Sharma, welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Thank you, Stan. I'm honored to be here.
1: It's a privilege having you here, and we're going to treat the audience to something they're not used to today, Anne, in that every week I quip about franchising being an unintentional way of doing business, and that franchising tends to find us rather than the other way around. The exception, of course, being unless one is born into a dynastic franchise family, and that describes you, doesn't it?
2: There you have it. Yes, it is true. I grew up in franchising. I'd like to say I'm actually center number 17. Uh, So when the founders of Huntington Learning Center, Ray and Eileen Huntington, were also my parents, when they weren't opening centers, they had children. So yes, (laughs) I was born into franchising.
1: Well, it's a rare thing. I don't know too many. You know, I think of people like Dina Dwyer Owens and Ray Titus and his sons are now in the business and they're third generation, I guess, because Ray's dad was in the business before Ray. And then, of course course, my good friend, Melanie Bergeron, two men in a truck and her mom, Mary Ellen Sheets. So there are a few people that I've met in franchising over the years like you that grew up in it and probably have a much different point of view about the business model as the result of growing up in a family that's been doing it before you were here. It's going to be an interesting conversation to learn how that looked from your point of view in talking about your mom and your dad. And they were both teachers, weren't they?
2: My mother was a tenured history teacher and my father was a statistician. He did teach on the college level. He has his PhD in statistics. So he was a business analyst and on track for that. But he had taught in the past, but not an official teacher.
1: So when they began the business running learning centers, why back in the 70s? Yep,
2: 1977, June of 1977. So we're celebrating our 46th year.
1: So what was the genesis of the decision to make the life-changing move and become entrepreneurs and to start a business around tutoring and child enrichment?
2: That's a great question. So there was a need. So my mom saw a problem in the classroom where students were not prepared. There were skills missing. And teachers in general are wonderful people, and they want to help all students. Nevertheless, there's a timeline, and there's curricula that has to go out. So regardless of where you're at, an urban, a suburban, a low-income, high-income, there are students who fall through the cracks. So Eileen and Ray, they both grew up in the Bronx. They wanted to do something for themselves, and they thought, you know what, we're really good at education, and how can we help students succeed? So from day one, the mission has been to give every student the best education possible, and that's our guiding light. So they saw a need, and then they solved the problem, and now we've helped so many students across the country build skills, confidence, and motivation.
1: And you said this all began in New York?
2: In New Jersey.
1: New Jersey. They
2: grew up They grew up in the Bronx. My father is an immigrant. He immigrated here. He likes to say he brought his parents over here when he was a young child from England. And then he and my mom met when they were in their late teens.
1: Well, my folks are from the Bronx as well, but I can't claim any British blood that I know of.
2: There you have it. Well, <laughs> you never know.
1: <laughs> so... What was the background for becoming an entrepreneur? What did that look like? How did they know what to do? How did they know how to start this business?
2: So I think that concept of unintentional, they knew that they wanted to help students. They knew that there was an opportunity here in terms of the education space. They didn't have a formal business plan, but they did what any potential franchisee is going to do when they embark on a new business. They got a lease, they built it out, they got a marketing plan, They got curricula, and they opened in June of 77, so Eileen was full-time there. Ray kept his job and would come at night, and then by August, they realized they really had a business, so Eileen quit her tenure position, which her mom was very nervous about. Again, that's a, a Depression-era woman saying, wait a second, you're 10-year, you have this great gig, you're off in the summer, you're going to quit that. So she had a, a few doubts, but you know, with the confidence and the determination and resilience that Eileen and Ray still have today, that's their power. Uh, so she quit her job in August of that year, and then in March of the following year, they opened their second center and Ray quit his job then. Uh, they, they knew that they, they had a business. The scariest thing sometimes they say is putting out that ad which they won't show anyone what that ad looks like but you know, then the phone rang, and it rang, and it rang, and here we are 46 years later, and it's still ringing.
1: And 46 years later, and 200 and how many locations?
2: Just shy of 300.
1: Wow. So they had those two locations for how long before they... Uh,
2: actually, both of those locations still exist. Uh, they're both franchises. The first one had moved locations, uh, but it's still, still in existence, and the second one is I think at the same location has been since 1978. It's our Livingston, New Jersey Center.
1: So from 1978 until today, how much has the core offerings of the business changed?
2: Well, from day one, so 77 to today, uh, it's building skills. So think of it this way. If we were studying for tomorrow's test, Stan, we would be memorizing it. We would not retain the information. Maybe we would do a good job on the test and then everything would go out the window. And that's a Band-Aid approach. You're not building the skills. You're not going back to where that issue is to build on the potential weaknesses to make them into strengths. So if the business model was let's cram for tomorrow's test, there is no way we would still be in business. The reason why we're in business is because we get results and each program is customized to the individual student. So instead of cramming for tomorrow's test or next week's test, it's really, let's find out where your student's at, Let's pinpoint the strengths and weaknesses and build a personalized learning plan for that student. That actually is not only what's right for the student, it's a great business model because instead of a five or ten hour program, right, all of a sudden it's right now in our FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document Item 19, we say on average are a little under 100. It's a very big difference in terms of amount per enrollee. So the core has stayed the same. Our ethos, our mission, our identity is the same. The mode may have changed a little bit. We no longer have carbon paper. We now have Chromebooks. Our systems are no longer all paperback. Some of them are built on a Microsoft suite or proprietaryly built from an IT perspective. So the mode has changed, but the actual content and our secret sauce has stayed the same.
1: Where were you guys when I was in school? I was a bad student. I think I was an undiagnosed ADHD child because I didn't do well with learning and testing. I really had a problem as a student. I've grown out of it. and Now I, I boast that I'm a student of lifelong learning and I have a PhD even though I didn't go to college. I call it my people handling degree. But There you go. But I could have used this. This would have been great for me way back when. What about learning styles? Not everybody learns the same way. Do you test for that or what do you do?
2: So great question. And uh, we do have an ADHD program uh, that is really helping for redirection and strategies and, and tips for How do you keep your attention? Because as you know, as you just said, there are a lot of different learners. And if a learner is not seeing success the way that they're learning, well, then they're not going, they potentially won't see success if they keep trying to do it the same way. So how we are able to differentiate students is through a diagnostic test, which we call an academic evaluation. Depending on the student's age, it can be a couple hours or a few hours in length. And it's a battery of tests that are extremely comprehensive that measure how the student is performing on a lot of different uh, variables. So from that test, we're able to build a learning plan that's specific to the student. And we go through the results with the parents or the caregivers of the student to show where the student's at. And a lot of times it's an aha moment where maybe the student was chugging along, sees some low Bs, and now all of a sudden, the family sees that that student's actually three grade levels behind. And now we have to go back, and we actually go back a little bit before three grade level, so that the student starts at their comfort zone, and then we build that student up. And the parents might say, you know, three years ago, the dog died. And you know what? Maybe the child has zoned out in school for a little bit and missed some really critical moments Uh, in the learning process. So there are always different reasons that, of course, you can hypothesize and think back, well, what's the root of this? Regardless of what the root is, we can help fix it.
1: Do you work with kids of all ages or is there a date range where your work is most effective?
2: Uh, primarily our students are kindergarten through grade 12. We do have some adult learners, and we do have some pre-K students who are working on phonics, so it might be a four-year-old if they're ready for it. But for the most part, it's kindergarten through uh, through 12.
1: And what does it look like for the student? So how often are they coming, and how much time is a session in length and things like that?
2: Right. So uh, as I shared, it's all customized uh, for the student. So in terms of the frequency, we really want high hours per week because that's what is most effective for the student because they'll start to see positive returns on their skills and they'll start to say wow as you said stan you you called yourself a bad student well you're not a bad student you might think that way and at the beginning of the program maybe you do call yourself a bad student but after seeing the progress you go i'm not so bad sometimes it's i'm not so dumb or i can learn and you have these breakthrough moments so High hours per week are critical. Depending on when it is, it's in the summer, then we can really rev it up and we have students who can come several hours a day. And then, for example, a lot of schools are off next week for President's Day break. We'll have students come multiple hours to really build up those skills. On average, I would say students come between four to six hours a week and the program, depending on what it is, I could be an hour and a half, two hours in length each time. So let's step back for a second. We have two product lines. We have tutoring and test prep. Tutoring is composed of what I've been talking about, which is skill-based, the reading, math, writing, vocab, phonics, all that jazz. That's tutoring. That's what we call our learning center. In the tutoring bucket, we also have subject tutoring, which is like biology, chemistry, algebra. And then we also have test prep, which is namely SAT and ACT, although we do have state specific high school entrance exams and specialty exams such as the ABVAB for military. So that's what we're talking about. For the most part, most of our students come after school. We do have some students who do attend during school for different reasons.
1: Do the kids come screaming and kicking and not wanting to do this, or they'd rather be playing ball and out with their friends? How do you work around that and draw them in?
2: Well, let's step back. We value something called the Huntington Homeschool Connection. So we need to engage the caregiver's parents, whomever is is active in in the child's life uh, throughout the program. So we have regular check-ins with those parents as caregivers. And then we also go to the school to make sure that the teachers know of course, with the family's approval. The teachers know that the student is working on their academics. In terms of whether a student is kicking and screaming, the environment is different from the school. You're only working with your tutor. So so you're not working with other students. There's no self-esteem issues. It's a very welcoming environment. Students get certificates after their first day. So maybe... Optically, they're like, wait, I have to take a test on a Saturday and it's a beautiful day. Why? Maybe that conversation is not, oh, let's skip into Huntington Learning Center. But once the student sees how it is, they're usually really excited to come.
1: So you talked about not doing the cramming in the tutoring, but helping them learn to learn on yes. test prep. How does that work?
2: Same, same deal. So the student comes in, takes the test. We analyze it. We have a very thorough Analysis, we go through that analysis with the student and the parent and we bring the student in because It's really up to the student in terms of making the time at this point. You know, they're older, they may be driving themselves if that's the case. So we want them to be involved in the program. What are the students' goals? Are they going from a 1,200 to a 1,500? Are they going from a 900 to a 1,200 on the SAT or an 18 to a 25 on the ACT? Or What is your goal? And then realistically, when is the test? If the test is next week, okay. That's one thing. If the test is in two months, how do we build it back so we can make as as many gains as possible? And then it has to be a priority because again, there is that test date. So if the goal is to increase X points, how are we gonna get you there? and we'll create that roadmap together.
1: We're talking today with Anne Huntington Sharma. She's president of Huntington Learning Centers and second generation in the Huntington family of franchisors. We're going to take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about what does that center look like? And what does a franchisee look like and teachers look like and learn a little about the day-to-day operations of Huntington Learning Centers. This is Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, and we'll be back right after a quick break.
0: Franchise Today. We'll be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. And the conversation continues today with Anne Huntington Sharma, president of Huntington Learning Centers. Anne, what does a learning center look like in terms of a physical location? How big is it? How many students are through the doors and present at a single time? And how many teachers or tutors are there working at at any given time?
2: Great question. So Huntington Learning Center we have been doing this for 4 plus decades. So over the years we have changed what our footprint looks like and we always learn from the past. So uh, for example when the great recession hit in 08-09, we looked at okay how were our centers doing the centers that did close then what were the lessons learned and one of the the main lessons we learned was how do you move a fixed cost to a variable cost. So at that point our centers were 2000 than 500 square feet, somewhere more, somewhere a little less, and that's that's a big rent ticket for franchising. And we also saw that you know what, if you are a newer center. And guess what? When you open a new center, how many kids do you have, Stan? Zero, because you just opened. Though so of course, you'll have testing because you have great marketing and you did your direct mail and your SEO and all that jazz. Nevertheless, you may not need a full-time staff at that point. So we moved that fixed cost of full-time staff to a variable cost. And so now, many years through that, we changed our footprint from 2,500 square feet. But now it's about 1,800. Some are 1,500. Some are 1,800. For summer 2000 and we get really great results financial results with that square footage depending on the day and how large the center is is it a very mature center is it a new center and now with online options or some students online and coming into the center it varies uh, it could be 50 students it could be 100 students uh, and then in terms of the teacher count we do a four to one ratio for our learning center students who are above third grade this does not mean that students are working with other students. Quite the contrary. When a student's in third grade and above, they need to be able to work independently. They need to be able to work on a task, process it, and then get feedback. So that's why we have the ratio of four to one. So with that, depending on how many students are there, that will determine the teacher count. And then usually there's one, at least one full-time person, uh, typically two, two full-time people at a given time, and usually a head teacher. So depending on the amount of students, that will determine how many teachers there are.
1: So what did COVID look like? for you. I've heard you use the word pivot once or twice in our conversation. For me, that was the word of the year in 2020 and perhaps even for part of 2021. Did you have an online presence prior to COVID or was that the beginning of a digital era for you?
2: Uh, We did not have an online presence before COVID. We did pivot, uh, which was the the buzz word. Uh, Resilience is, is also a good word in terms of that. I like to say we became a 40-plus-year-old startup overnight because we had to change our processes. We had to we had to really reinvent uh, most most everything to ensure that if a physical door of one of our Huntington Learning Centers closed, we could remain open virtually. So we have a network of franchisees and corporate staff members who rolled up their sleeves and made sure that we could make the impossible possible, which we did. In truly a matter of days, maybe a week, we were able to get online and service our families, which enabled the families to have the consistency and the trust within Huntington Learning Center, and it kept our franchisees in business. We're really proud of, of how we came together, collaborated during that time, and the results in terms of our online students are really fantastic. And actually, a student who attends in a center and online, which we call hybrid, actually outperformed uh, students who only attend in center and only attend online. So yes, we did have to pivot because if we didn't pivot, Uh, We might not be having this same conversation today. And so there were a lot of lessons learned, a lot of sleepless nights, especially in the beginning. I had my attorney on speed dial uh, because, you know, everything was happening in real time and it was affecting us all. So, you know, I, too, am a human being dealing with a global pandemic. Uh, slash uh, newly appointed president. I became president in October of 2019. So I had a really great team, great advisors, great folks who I work with, and we came out stronger than ever before.
1: Baptism by fire, I guess, huh?
2: There you go, sink or swim. And <laughs> Eileen and Wright, they our main offices in New Jersey, and so I was there. I was there basically until the governor said, you can't go anywhere. So we were able to get online. Uh, I mean, and Ray were in Florida. Uh, so they, they were removed from it. And we really, we just did what was necessary for our system. And it was a, a time of just got to get it done. There's no other way. So it was, a, as you said, trial by baptism.
1: <laughs> well, I think the word of the year for 20 and 2021 was pivot the word of of the year for 20 balance of 21 into 22 and even 23 is frictionless everything that oh, there you go touch point is now frictionless 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 so how much yes. has changed how much of what you took out of COVID have you kept on um, the word hybrid probably didn't exist before but you've got a hybrid now right
2: right so virtually everything has stayed i mean from a franchisor perspective We, before COVID, we were very traditional. We wore suits, ties. Fridays were a little bit more casual, but no jeans, of course, unless it was a special day. And then with COVID and going virtual, that culture has changed, obviously. And we, even though we do have a main office in northern New Jersey, now being remote, Uh, We can attract and recruit folks from all over the country. So about five months ago, we brought on a new head of dev. He's located in Colorado. Um, About a year ago, we brought on a new head of IT. He's based outside Philadelphia. So we're all over the place. So we collapsed our main office, which enables us to be uh, more agile. And quite frankly, by being all over the country, we are not you know, New Jersey, New York centric. We're seeing how the whole country is operating because we're a franchise across the country. So that's a value add for a potential franchisee and for our current franchisees. We have stayed true to who we are from a brick and mortar standpoint. We believe in that. We also believe in online. So right now we're going through a huge digital transformation and we're rebuilding all of our internal systems, our learning center operating systems. Everything's being rebuilt to to adapt to this this lifestyle. So it's an awesome time and really every lesson learned we have iterated on it. Maybe it's not the exact same as it was in March or April, 2020, it's now better.
1: What about the profile of your franchisees? Are they themselves teachers or what is it you're looking for? What must somebody bring with them? And then what is it that you can provide them to learn your way?
2: Right, the potential franchisee could be a teacher. I know some of our Huntington teachers become franchisees. It could be someone who is from business, accounting or IT or uh, any type of business, the the individual doesn't have to have an education background. There is one component that every franchisee needs to have, and they really do have to like kids. Uh, So if they don't like kids, I would say probably not the the right business for them. Uh, In terms of profile, we have different personas. This is a great opportunity for millennials who want to do really good work. Uh, We've been a mission-driven company since the 70s, before it was cool to be mission-driven. That's that's who we are. That's our DNA. And we we are able to make such a positive impact in the community. So the, the millennial, the Gen Z are coming towards us because they're seeing this as an opportunity to give back. Nevertheless any any individual it could be someone who is a boomer who is retiring and wants to build out build out a, a a business and then potentially hand it down to their their children or their grandchildren. Uh so it it could be any type of individual who likes kids, who understands that this is a franchise and Obviously, your audience knows this. You're in business for yourself and not by yourself, and you need to follow the system. So, you're interested in the Huntington Learning Center, learn our methodology. Listen to us. Hear from franchisees who are doing well. Just because it's the loudest person in the room is that person providing advice that makes sense for your business and, most importantly, for the student results. Uh, so through our franchise development process, we help guide the prospect to either open the center or maybe we're not the right opportunity for them and we can end those conversations and they can find the right the right business for them
1: What's required in terms of net worth and liquidity
2: The the range to open it is it's about 130 133,000 to about 250 270 to open one and then in terms of qualification, the minimum is uh, 65000 in liquid and a net worth of 200
1: So that's pretty affordable as franchises go. I mean, certainly not as expensive as trying to open up a restaurant. Anyone who's thinking about owning a business could consider this without too much difficulty.
2: Yes, we are able to change lives—not only students' lives, but our franchisee lives. Uh, we we are able to make folks millionaires uh, who are able to come into a business for, as you just said, not too too much. You know, the minimum sixty five liquid and networks of two hundred, and then to build it out a new one. As I said, how much it? The low end is about one hundred and thirty three. High end about two seventy seven. Give or take. So yes, it is, it's a viable option and it's an option that really makes sense for an individual because we're not a fly by night franchise. We've been doing this for four plus decades. We have tremendous systems and procedures, and a, an amazing support system that gets accolades. We're a top uh, franchise in the Franchise Business Review. We're on the Entrepreneur. We're a top training. So it's not just us saying how good we are. Other folks are saying it. So. Yes, it's it's a great opportunity to do well and to also do good and to fulfill our mission and our vision, which is world class student results and franchisee profitability. So we hope more people will join us to help more students learn.
1: How many of your franchisees, if any, are multi unit operators? Do you invite that or is everybody an owner operator of a single location?
2: So we do have semi absentee owners. On average, most of our franchisees are single operators. Our largest franchisee right now owns six centers, it it might be five. I think he's at this point at six centers. That's our largest, smallest obviously is one. I would say about 20% of our franchisees, approximately, own more than one.
1: And we're coming close to the finish line here. Are there any questions that you've been sitting there waiting for me to ask that I might not have asked yet?
2: I think this has been a really great conversation and I appreciate you taking the time and your listeners taking the time to learn about Huntington Learning Center. I think the key with franchising, be an unintentional or an intentional way of getting into franchising, is it works and so the model the model that we have at Huntington Learning Center not only does it it really changes a lot uh, in such a positive meaningful way and post-COVID yes we talked about um, how the business change uh, all you have to do is read in the paper uh, or or online the learning loss that students are are having uh, which is just horrible and we can help and we partner with schools and our franchisees do such great work in their communities to help students uh, build those skills, confidence, and motivation to break that cycle and the the learning loss that has unfortunately impacted so many.
1: Well, it goes beyond COVID, and I don't like to bring politics into the conversation, but I just don't think that the educational requirements and the things that schools are supposed to do or over the years have had to do, you talk about Ray and Eileen finding a need way back in the 70s, things haven't gotten any better since then. They've only gotten worse. So I do believe that what you're doing is you're doing God's work.
2: Thank you. Well, it's really the teachers and our franchisees out and about. There is a publication, I think, in 1985 called The Nation at Risk. And if you look at that and you look at the report, the Nation's report card that came out late last year, pretty similar. Nevertheless, we work with schools and we stay agnostic in terms of politics. Our whole our whole point is to help the student. So we want to help the student regardless of who's in office. And we believe in the future of American kids and students. So we, we want to give them the Uh, So we welcome uh, schools to come, come and work with us. And of course, as I shared earlier, we go into the school. So we do need help and and we're here to help. And that's why our our URL is Huntingtonhelps.com. So we're there for you as a consumer. And we're also there for you for someone who wants to go into business for themselves.
1: Is there any other contact info that you would like to offer up to the audience that might want to find you again for a deeper conversation?
2: Of course. So if you're interested in franchise development, you can go to Huntingtonfranchise.com. If you are a consumer and you want to learn more about our services, huntingtonhealth.com or 1-800-CAN-LEARN. You can look me up on LinkedIn on Anne Huntington Sharma, and we hope that we can help you.
1: It's been a fascinating conversation and the time just blew by, Anne. I can't thank you enough for being as open and transparent and helping our audience learn about the good work that you're doing.
2: Thank you so much, Stan, and thank you to everyone for listening.
1: You've been hearing from Anne Huntington Sharma, president of Huntington Learning Centers. Thanks so much again for being here. Well, there it is. Another fantastic conversation finds its way to the archives. Next week, we take a break for the IFA convention, but more. Plenty more great interviews lined up for the weeks ahead. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman, hoping to see you next week in Las Vegas, and wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out.
0: Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.